it's a privilege to announce Miss um, Colleen this morning. Come. We have a speaker this morning, Colleen. <laughs> I don't know her very well, but the little that I know her, I'm very pleased to call her friend and am looking very forward to getting to know her better in the years to come. So let's pray, and I'm going to give everything to Colleen. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this worship team and how they lead us before your throne. Thank you for the words that you give musicians to speak and to honor your name and to know you and to lead us before that sweet throne, Father, where we get to claim who you are and what you have done and see ourselves in better light. Thank you for them. Father, bless them for all the work that they do for us and care for them in special and intimate ways. And over Colleen this morning, I pray. Father, I pray for a calm, for a clear mind, and that the words that you have given her would come out sweet and that you would just bless her with joy in this time. Thank you. Thank you for the message that you've given her and the moments we will have. In your name we pray, amen. You got it. Good morning. I am so, so grateful for the women's ministry at Rocky Mountain. It's just an amazing uh, opportunity for each of us to minister to one another and to hear the hearts of one another. I'm so grateful for our leadership with Donna and Linda and Jeanette, for Sherry, who's overseen the Gideon study. I want to say... Thank you for that. Also, Pastor Eric is just awesome. I just have to say that. He is just amazing. And his study in Judges actually whetted my appetite. And it was after he had spoken about Gideon. And I learned some things that I didn't know before just hearing him. I was so excited for this study. I just was so thankful to have it. And Priscilla was just amazing, wasn't she? She just has a just a tremendous gift of communication and of study and of speaking the word. And I'm so, so thankful for this opportunity. When I was asked to speak, it was with fear and trepidation in many ways. But it's interesting, as I was going through uh, what God gave me for this uh, little talk today, the, a saying just stood out to me. And it was seen in so many ways, and that is, what you believe determines how you behave. And I thought, huh, that is an interesting thought. And how does that show in our lives? A few months ago, a movie came out called uh, God is Not Dead. My husband and I went to see it, and I had just uh, been teaching a worldview course just before it had ended, just before the movie. And so the whole movie, I'm thinking, oh, I wish I could sit down with my students and just talk about the worldviews that you see throughout the, the movie. Because it, every little piece, it was amazing. They really worked hard to demonstrate how the people saw their world around them. And then when I thought about this idea of what you believe determines how you behave, it was so evident in this movie as well. You had this professor who came in and he was, had decided it, it was a philosophy cl class and he said, we're just going to get this whole God thing out of the picture. We're just going to take him out 
And so I want everyone just to get out a piece of paper and write, God is dead, and sign it, pass it in, and then we don't have to even bother with God and philosophy any longer. And it was so interesting to watch these students because I think this is, this is an issue that you have to consider where your children go to school because you could see the wrestling that some of them had. Wow, my professor says I have to do this, and um, I don't know, but they did, except for one person. And he s sat there and finally just said, I, I don't believe God is dead. I can't do this. And this professor just started just harassing him and said, okay, well then you just prove what you believe. Well, this professor demonstrated clearly that what he believed was how he would behave. He did not believe God. He was angry and miserable and bitter, and throughout the whole movie, it demonstrated that his belief determined how he behaved. But then you had this young man, you know, new to college and, and all of that. You remember those days, don't you? When you were new to college and facing new things. And he determined, you know what? I am gonna work hard, I am gonna study. He actually had opposition even in his personal life to doing what he did, but he believed that God is not dead. And he worked hard to demonstrate that to the class. And in the end, he was very convincing. God gave, empowered him and gave him just the words and the things to say to reach his classmates as well. Another uh, example of what you believe determines how you behave was a pastor, it was kind of a side story, a pastor and his friend, and his friend had come to visit with him and they were gonna go off somewhere. And they had obviously determined, had this saying that they did together. One would say, God is good all the time. And the other would say, all the time, God is good. And then they would switch that. And throughout the movie, it was actually the humor part of the movie because it was a pretty intense movie. But they, you know, just one thing after another would happen that most of us would not necessarily think God is good in that situation. But they were able to say, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And it was seen in how they behaved. Well, I thought about Gideon and he showed us three different ways of what he believed determined how he behaved. He began with an unbelief in the power of God. The Israelites were told by God in Deuteronomy, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Gideon was taught, the Israelites were to teach their children to acknowledge God in all his ways. And it actually was demonstrated when the angel of, of the Lord, who was the pre-incarnate Christ, came to him. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are the, his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Once again, Gideon demonstrated what he believed by how he behaved because he was angry. Where is the Lord? Where, what do you mean? Look at what's happening to us. He was hidden away doing threshing 
You wonder sometimes, don't you, had God wanted him to be a mighty man of valor before this happened and he just chose to believe that God was not God and that God had a plan for his life? It's interesting to think about that. So he, was, he put God in a box. Do we not do that sometimes? Do we not think, well, if I do this, and I do this, and I pray, and I take meals, and I do this, God, you'll bless me, right? We have God in a box. We believe he will do what we, you know, he'll, he'll repay us for what we do. And sometimes it doesn't work. I have a prodigal at home that has put God in a box. And he said, well, if this happens and this happens, I'll, I'll trust God. And that hasn't happened. And he is angry, angry with God and difficult to work with. But Gideon was this same person. But as God worked in his heart and told him truth, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with him, you mighty man of valor. At this point, even with his uncertainties, he chose to believe, and he chose to behave the way he believed. And he received God's living grace. He, he was able to do the mighty work of God through the power of God, through the wisdom of God, because he believed. And his behavior reflected that belief. But then in uh, Judges 8.3 it said, But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. But he kind of decided, you know, I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty great. I Look what I did. I've defeated all these people. And he stopped looking at God as the one who did this mighty, mighty work, incredible amount of work in his life. He just determined that, you know, I'm pretty cool. I can do this myself. And he became his own king and kind of set up his own kingship, even though, even though he said that God would rule over them. So think about your own life and the seasons of your spiritual growth. How did, how did the way you thought about God impact the choices you made? It's so easy as I look back on my life when I was young and thought I knew everything about everything. You know, I had kids and I knew exactly how to raise them. And uh, I got older and realized, wow, I didn't know quite as much as I really thought. And then I got to where I am now and thought, what in the world was I thinking? But through it all, I know that God is God. I am not. And his powers are greater than anything that I am ever able to do. We, our oldest daughter was born in 78, and she was born with Down syndrome. In our world today, believes there is no worth in a child born with Down syndrome. As a matter of fact, as I was looking up statistics, about 90% of children diagnosed with Down syndrome before they're born are aborted. The world doesn't see that. You know, we all have to be perfect, we have to be size zero, and we have to do certain things, and we have to behave in a certain way. And a person with Down syndrome doesn't fit that way. But God had other plans, and he, she had great, great value in God's eyes. It's interesting how God works. And I'm going to use a word that's going to be very repulsive, but you'll understand. Okay. 
When I was expecting her, everywhere I went, we were living in Albany, New York at the time. My husband was assistant pastor, and I was teaching. And everywhere I went, I saw mongoloid people. And I just felt in my heart, wow, you know what? I think God's going to give me a mongoloid baby. And I said that to a friend, and she goes, oh, no, you're too young. That that's only happens to older women. So, And I just thought, hmm, I pondered that. You know where it talks where Mary pondered in her heart? You think the Holy Spirit comes and he speaks to us and I pondered that in my heart but can I tell you even as God says God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind I never was fearful it was just like huh I wonder if this is what God is doing about a week before she was born I was reading an article and it was about Down syndrome and it was like oh yeah that's right God has told me I'm going to have a child with Down syndrome. And it just didn't, it didn't bring fear. I just believed that God, through the Holy Spirit, was speaking. But I also didn't dwell on it. It wasn't anything like every day I thought, oh, now I'm going to have this. What is this going to, what does this mean? It was just that quiet, gentle spirit of the Holy Spirit speaking. When she was born, uh, they took her away. And the doctor called my husband out, and when he came in, he was really weird. I mean, really, really weird. And he wasn't excited, he just kind of stood there, and the doctor, I found out, had called him out and said, we think there's something wrong with the baby, and don't tell your wife. Don't tell your wife. You need to wait until the pediatrician comes and talks to both of you together. So I'm back in the room, and. Heather is in, you know, wherever they had her at the time, and my husband wouldn't talk to me, and I'm just thinking, what is, what is going on? And finally, after an hour and a half, the pediatrician came in, and he said, I need to tell you, your daughter has Down syndrome. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And it just, it was a peace that passes all understanding. And that is because what you believe determines what, how you behave. And I believed this child was a gift from God. And the Holy Spirit empowered me to be able to just trust in him and just to, and just to accept his word. She had many medical issues from the beginning. And at one point, the doctor said, you know, I think she might have a condition called biliary atresia which was she would die shortly. And uh, God again, the Holy Spirit came and gave me a verse that said, this is not a sickness unto death. And there was peace, peace that passes all understanding. And sure enough, she didn't have that, but at three weeks we found out she had a heart defect. I will tell you, I wasn't ready for that one. I don't know if I wasn't listening to what God was doing, because I am, have been known not to do that as well. God, through, through my life, has always brought me to his word when something was going to happen, always. And I remember one time where I felt that pull of the Holy Spirit, and I rejected it. 
I said, I don't want to deal with anything else, and I rejected. How stupid is that? I mean, really. God wants to come and bring peace and comfort and no fear. And I'm going to say, no, I don't think I'll do it that time because that'll make it disappear, right? It won't happen then. So God worked even. Heather passed away two years ago, and it was very interesting because at the time, um, we were doing a study. My husband and Heather and I were doing a study. I have four children. My daughter right now is in Germany. My son is in Africa, and my youngest son is in my basement. But at the time, Heather was the only one home, and we were doing a study on heaven. And she could read. She was just an unbelievable person. I wish you could have known her. She loved God. It was demonstrated in her life in so many ways. She just exuded the joy of the Lord. And she got up every morning, and she would turn on her radio, and she would sing and dance to the Lord. And she, after she passed away, I went through some of her things, and she had journals of talking with God or just writing scripture. She would just write scripture over and over, you know, not the same one, but just as she was studying in her Bible. She would do that. She was like that. So we're going through this study on heaven, and she was reading. We took turns reading and talking, and, and she read, and it was talking about a glorified body in heaven. And I said, well, Heather, do you know what that means? And she said, no, I don't know what that means. And I said, that means when you get to heaven, you get a new body. No more scar, because she'd had four open heart surgeries. No more scar. I said, no more scar, honey. And again, the Holy Spirit just spoke and said, be ready. You need to be ready. And she passed away a month and a half later. And it was interesting. She was with her sister. She visited her sister and brother-in-law, oh, two or three times a year. And they just loved having her. They just loved her being, be, her being with them because she brought such a fullness to their lives. And uh, the night that she got sick, before she was sick, she had gotten angry at Oleg, Melissa's husband. And she came up to Melissa before bed, and she said, Melissa, I am so sorry. That was wrong. She believed God. She believed in the fruit of the Spirit, and she lived it. And she behaved as she believed. Well, that night she woke up about 1 o'clock, just violently sick with her stomach. And uh, Melissa, again, heard the Holy Spirit speak to her. And she called an ambulance and they're like, you are nuts to do this. Why in the world would you do something like that? And she said, she needs, to, she needs to go to the hospital. Well, long story short, she, um, she had a brain hemorrhage, and they couldn't have done anything about it. But she went, truly, as Melissa described it, she went in the arms of the angels. I just believe she knew. She had such an amazing, amazing relationship with the Lord. I wanted to read a few things that my other children wrote about her because it lets you see a little bit. So here, in the eyes of the world, what they believe determines how they behave. They hate people that are not like them. They hate people that are handicapped. They think they have no worth, and yet God sees beauty 
and he sees graciousness. Melissa, her sister, and they were, well, I'll just read this, it'll explain. Over the years, God has used Heather tremendously to help me understand his person and character. When we were young, Dad and Mom told me that when they found out that you had special needs, they prayed for God to give them another daughter to watch over you. What a privilege it has been to be your best friend, dear Heather. You've taught me more than I can share in this brief letter. When we were in high school, I remember asking you if you thought someone was beautiful. After sighing in disgust and plopping your hand on your hip, you scolded me saying, Melissa, I don't even know that girl. Yep, Heather, I am far shallower than you. Thank you for helping me to see as God sees, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Another time when we were playing tennis for Special Olympics and I kept hitting the ball over the fence, you reminded me of my limitations by commenting to the coach, I thought there was supposed to be just one handicapped person out here. Your wit and wisdom continually lit our world with delight. Her brother David wrote, Heather has been one of the greatest joys of my life. When I was young, I learned from her the care that the Lord has for the weak. As other children mocked her for her weakness, I was taught to defend her and to consider her life valuable because of the God who made her. I learned that the God of the universe had woven her together in my mother's womb, and he did so with 47 chromosomes instead of 46. As I grew, I learned from Heather what it meant to have a sweet and quiet spirit. I have never met anyone that could weep with those who weep like Heather. When something sad were happening, she would probably be crying with you even before you started crying. In recent years, I learned childlike faith from Heather. Studying in school and reading on my own, I've learned many apologetic strategies to defend the faith. And yet Jesus said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In talking to Heather, she believed in Jesus like she believed in the air. Of course you believe in Jesus, even if you cannot see him. So these days when I read that Heather in Matthew 18 thinks, in Matthew 18, I think, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like Heather, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven heaven. And then our youngest one, who is working hard to believe in himself instead of believing in God, this was his reflection at this time in his life. Looking back, we all have wonderful memories of Heather, but when we were much younger, I didn't understand her. I knew she was different than my family, and she was different than my friends, but I couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. As I got older, I noticed that some of Heather's physical features were different. Her eyes were shaped different and her stature was different. She had a scar that was visible just below her neck. But there was something else I couldn't put my finger on. As we got even older, I learned of the medical conditions so common for people with Downs and how Heather was distinct in the severity of her ailments. But there was something different that I didn't understand. What I found out later, what Heather taught me was that aside from her medical conditions, nothing was wrong with her. Heather wasn't defective. I was. We are. Heather loved people the way we ought to love people, and she loved in a way I still don't think I fully comprehend. She loved people the way Jesus loves people, unconditionally. 
Heather required nothing for her love, only that you were created by her masterful God. She was gracious and gentle to sinful people like her brother, who didn't deserve her love. Heather endured tremendous suffering herself, but she was quick to endure the suffering of others and was always genuinely and sincerely happy and joyful through it all. God gave her a broken body, but graciously gave her a mind that was fully dependent on him, and for that she was full of joy. God also used Heather as a means of grace, and Heather was a vessel through which he poured out his mercy, his kindness, his heart on those around her. God used Heather to inspire us and teach us to love without condition, to take on one another's burdens, and to do it gladly. God used Heather to show his love because God knows and loves Heather, and Heather knows and loves God. God wants us to have a relationship with him, to have the fruit of the Spirit. He, brought, he gives us so generously. In the Old Testament, when you re read through Gideon and Priscilla talks so well about it, all of it, we had the pre-incarnate Christ before he came and died on the cross for our sins. And, and he has done that now for us. And, and the Holy Spirit was the Spirit of the Lord in the Old Testament who came at times but left. But now as believers, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And he points us always to Christ. He always points us to truth. Uh, if someone were to say, well, I just kind of felt like God told me not to do something that was sin, you can always know that is not true. Uh, I went to see a friend one time who had left her husband, and she goes, well, I think God wants me to be happy. And I thought, and I said, actually, yeah, I don't think happy is what God wants right now. God is really clear in his word, and the Holy Spirit always, always points us to his word. And if you can't go to his word, it's not of the Holy Spirit. He points us to Christ. He wants us to have salvation, but he also wants us to have true rest. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We understand the will of God through the word of God. The Holy Spirit empowers us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And he shows us God's will. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. What we believe determines how we behave. Do we believe that God is good all the time? John, 3 John 4 said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Thank you.